It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Tuesday morning to you. I say good. Hopefully it's good. It's been long chronicled on this radio station that Tuesday quite often turns out to be the worst day of the commute of the week. But hopefully that's not the case. It wasn't too bad this morning. A little little busy, a little different. But hopefully it's going well for you, whether it's a commute or working from home or even if the word commute is a stretch because you're close by, good on you, by the way. However, your day began. Hope it's going well now. Welcome to Light the Tower here on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howe will be along shortly. Our man behind the glass. Cameron Parker, what did you do last night? You do it first of all. You doing okay this morning? There? I'm doing great, Craig. How did, how did you spend your Monday night? And I'll tell you how I spent mine. But go ahead. See, Monday night was it last night? Yep. Mm, I think I finished up the quarterback uh, Netflix series. How do, have you like? I haven't had a chance to dive into that. I, I hear really good things about it. Yeah, um, it made me like Pat Mahomes a lot more. Really? Made me love Kirk Cousins. That's um, what I'm hearing. Everybody, everybody still you, can't stand Pat Mahomes' wife. Yeah, she might be the spawn of Satan. <laughs> really, that much? Huh? But besides that, um, I, the Marcus Mariota part's really weird. But be, but besides him, the the way they covered Kirk Cousins and Pat Mahomes, it, it's hard to dislike him now. Did you find yourself having empathy for Marcus Mariota? <sighs> I mean, a, a little bit, but at the same time, the way he left the team and it was just kind of like kind of checked out. On yeah, him. just mm-hmm. eh. Not really. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a millionaire. He's going to be backing up Jalen Hurts. He's got a pretty good life. You know? Okay. Yeah. He, he had his yeah he had his time in Tennessee. Yep. yep. Great college quarterback. You can't take that away from him. NFL nope. quarterback. Meh. But. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have you have you been able to watch it yet? I haven't. Okay. And and that's why. But hearing from everybody else, and and I have Netflix, so I'll I'll definitely yeah. be viewing. I'll I'll get definitely. some time the next month and a half. Yeah, I do. I, I the 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 things that I know that I have on my plate this week. Um, Thursday night, Lynn and I are going to the Paramount to see Boss Gags. Oh, nice. So on Thursday, by the way, all, all of I'm just letting people know all of our return cuts on Thursday are going to be Boss Gags. Okay, including an inconceivable. Including, so I'm already designing it in my mind. Okay, <laughs> so that's going to be there. So anyway, so they, they uh, uh, boss gags at the Paramount, um, and then uh, Friday we're going up to Arlington. I have to see the Dodgers. They're in town, so to speak. Yeah, it's as close as they're going to get to the area. Uh, they're playing the Rangers over the weekend, so we're going to go up and see the Friday game anyway. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So 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 there's that. so there, that's that's a couple of things on on the agenda. But I've got I've got other things. Still to come. 
uh, and and uh, there's there's a lot, you know, still still happening. So we'll uh, we'll see how all that goes. Um, among the things that we'll uh, get to, we'll we'll talk. To, uh, obviously, plenty of college football uh, coaching school wraps up today. In the greater Houston area, they have their, well, in downtown Houston at the uh, George R. Brown Convention Center, uh, they'll elect a new president today. Um, and, and, I, and I've been asked about this before. They said, well, this is the, how much power, whatever, influence, whatever, this is the president of the Texas High School Coach Association. It's more about being a conduit to the active coaches because the guys who run the Texas High School Coaches Association are the executive director, Joe Martin, and the assistant executive director, and that's Glenn West. Those are the guys who are there. But, of course, the membership body of whatever, 13,000-plus or whatever, they they set the policies for the things they want, the agendas uh, for the things that they want to get accomplished. And then the president is a rotating annual thing. It's really a three-year commitment, but you're really and truly only the president for one year. You're elected and you're called the president elect. Uh, Kendall Miller from uh, up in the uh, Frisco area is getting ready to assume office as the first elected uh, African American president. So that's and he, you know, I've talked to him and interviewed him about the the responsibility that goes with that and representing all, all of those coaches. He he was elected last year, so he will step into the office. When you are first in, in the three guys who are on the, the ballot uh, this year, whoever gets elected will be the quote-unquote president-elect and, and is kind of in an administrative role and helps out. Then you, you, you serve your one year as the president, and then you're called a past president for one year where you're kind of in an advisory role. So it's really kind of a three-year commitment. Uh, but they'll, they'll elect a new one today, and uh, that'll, that'll, that's the biggest thing on, on, um, on their – agenda today uh for for the coaches and coaches going to start to wrap up all of the uh exhibits and things like that that usually goes to about noon and then everybody kind of closes shop on that but it was extremely busy when i was there a couple of days ago uh on day the first full day of course saturday is when the the hall of honor banquet happened and and things were just starting to to, to get into gear, but most everybody arrived either like Saturday night or Sunday morning, and then your first full big day was Sunday. And then yesterday, uh, another big day. Yesterday, by the way, um, in addition to some coaches, and there were more coaches who talked yesterday. Now, all of the um, Division One coaches in the state of Texas – who were on that FBS coaching panel that that I got a chance to moderate, spoke on Sunday, except Jeff Trailer of UTSA. He spoke yesterday. He had a news conference yesterday. Now, he was on the panel with us on Sunday. Like I said, he was kind of the the, the most entertaining of the whole group. Uh, but uh, he, had a, he had a news conference yesterday. And then uh, also yesterday, Matt Rule, the new head coach in the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who, of course, elevated Baylor. Uh, out of out of the problems that they had, and then and then uh, left for the NFL and was with the Carolina Panthers, and was uh, probably the most recent example of a guy who did an outstanding job at the collegiate level, who just it didn't work for him at the NFL level. And there are many many coaches who have fallen into that category. 
most notably Lou Holtz, who left NC State, remember, did a great job there. They had, what, one year with the New York Jets and then went to Arkansas and from there to Notre Dame. And he um, it was, and then, of course, obviously, most recently, most notably recently, was Nick Saban uh, after winning a national title at LSU and then going to the Dolphins. And um, it didn't work there with him in Miami and then goes to Alabama and, of course, <laughs> establishes so much uh, history as the head coach at Alabama. Uh, but that was an example, the most recent high-profile example of a coach who had a lot of success at the collegiate level, tried it at the NFL, and it just didn't happen. At, at, and it didn't work for whatever reason. And the same thing you can say for Matt Rule. Did a great job at Baylor. Uh, parlayed that into becoming the coach. And, and, and really before Baylor, did a really good job at Temple. And then and then uh, did a great job at Baylor. And then uh, parlayed that into uh, the head coaching job of the Carolina Panthers. It didn't work for him there. Uh, he's gone to Nebraska. Has a uh, several... Uh, staff members with ties to Texas high school football on his staff. His director of operations is none other than Dr. Susan Elza, who was the athletic director of the UIL until that appointment a few months ago. So she's with him there. And um, as a result of that, uh, she is his uh, operations director. And I visited with her. She was at the Hall of Honor banquet and she said yeah there's a lot she misses that but they're very excited about what they could have to do but anyway uh matt rule had a news conference yesterday there at coaching school so he talked about it as well uh my co-host of course is the pride of northwest williamson county he is a proud graduate of florence high school even though he disdains wearing the color purple on a regular basis yeah it's not uh, not it's not really a good look for anybody it is for some people, but for those of us who carry a little more carriage, yeah, probably not so much. Uh, you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howell. I missed Matt Rule yesterday. You missed Matt Rule yesterday. Damn it. He was Love there. me some Matt Rule. He was there, and, and Jeff Trailer did his news conference yesterday. He didn't do it Sunday. Oh, yeah. He was on the schedule Sunday. Yeah. Uh, he probably just wanted a whole court Monday. Yeah, yeah. And he did, because... He invariably does yeah, that. Yeah. He invariably does that. Uh, you know what? What's interesting? We we heard your your interview with GJ Kenny yesterday, mm-hmm. and as much as anything I tweet Texas related or put out on social media Texas related gets a good reaction. Sure, I really felt like, and I told you this, I really felt like my biggest takeaway from being at coaching school Sunday was man, and I I got feedback from some of my Bobcat friends when I tweeted out. I said it really feels like for the first time in a long time. They've got a chance to get it going in the right direction down there. And I yep. really feel that. And a lot of my Texas State people texted me or reached out to me yesterday and they said, you know what? You're not lying. Like it really, and I think a lot of that, I know people are probably tired of me saying it, but I think a lot of it goes back to you've got a head coach and an administration, namely your athletic director and your president, that are all on the same page mm-hmm. going in the same direction. That's That's so huge. On top of the fact that, you know, GJ's bright. We saw what he did at UIW. Uh, the track record is there. The high school coaches love him. His dad was a high school coach. So there's a lot of – he checks a lot of boxes that you'd like for somebody to be the head coach there. But it just – it feels different this time. 
Yeah. It feels different than it did with Everett Withers or with Spav. It just it feels different with G.J. Kim. Somebody on the uh, Specs text line, thank you for the reminder. Herbs? Yeah. When I was talking about the uh, the coach, I said the most recent high profile. I, I erred because there's an even more recent and high profile example. Urban Meyer. Trying it with Jacksonville, it happened so quickly with who, him. Who are you talking about? I heard you say coaches that. who coaches who achieved success at the collegiate level tried it at the NFL level, and it didn't work for whatever reason. Lou, I said, Lou Holtz. I started with Lou Holtz, Bud Wilkinson, Bud Wilkinson. Yeah, now, now Bud Wilkinson's deal was different because remember when he quit after what nineteen sixty three. He was out of it for a while, went into broadcasting yeah. for a while, then came back, and the Cardinals gave him an opportunity, and it didn't work. He was already in his 70s, I think, when he tried it. And uh, so that, but that's, but that is another example. I mean, there was a, there was a time lapse in between, but then he came back and tried it. You're right, with the Cardinals. Have you mentioned the offensive coordinator who may or may not be playing the call in the plays at Texas A&M? Bobby Petrino. No, I hadn't because I was talking about head coaches, but that's another example of of a guy who had success at the collegiate level. You know, I don't know if times have changed, but we talk about, you know, Matt Rule's one of the out-of-state coaches from his time at Baylor that, like, the Texas high school coaches love. Yeah. You want to make a list of coaches that the Texas high school coaches are not fond not of? Not fond of? Bobby Petrino might be at the top of that list. Wow. Just from what I've heard from over the years. I, I've had – I've straight up, Craig, had coaches tell me – Bobby Petrino is not welcomed on my campus. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. I think okay. a lot of that goes back to when he was at Arkansas and started pulling some offers and oh, okay, rearranging some things. And I don't think he was upfront about it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a little, uh, little unsavory. Okay. Okay. Like I said maybe times have changed, but when he was at Arkansas, there were there were some places in the state where he was not welcome. Okay. All right. So we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about different ones who were who were successful at the collegiate level. I mentioned Nick Saban, obviously, trying with the Dolphins, and it didn't work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, we mentioned Lou Holtz. And then I said the most recent high-profile example, I said might have been Nick Saban, but I was forgetting about Urban Meyer. So, uh, yeah. so I'm sure there's a couple other I'm forgetting. He's tied with Lou Holtz and Petrino for the fourth shortest <laughs> NFL head coaching tenure. Thirteen games. Thirteen games. There it is. Uh, Jim from Lago Vista said, "Like the Jim Wacker, your Jim Wacker didn't. Did I miss something? No, I think he was talking about uh, Texas State. Texas State football getting on. Oh, track. oh, okay, yeah. okay. I got you. Okay, I, I'm following you, Jim. And now I see what you're saying. Um, I've settled for the David Bailiff year at this point. And we both saw David Bailiff the Man, other day. Coach Bailiff, he, he looks good. He yeah. looks, looks like he's very happy to be in his role at Texas State. I told him, I said, you look good in that maroon again, that Bobcat uh, maroon. He, was, he said he was very, very happy. I mean, uh, he, you know, was at Texas A&M Commerce. And uh, then things, of course, uh, he transitioned back to being on G.J. Kenny's staff, which, I, which, by the way, I think is a good move for, for G.J., in mm-hmm. in that and bringing him back into the fold, I think I think that's important. Oh, two others we forgot: Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier, Greg Schiano, not great. Yeah, but see, and then somebody said Cliff Kingsbury. I, but Cliff Kingsbury, my my example was of coaches who had a large measure of success at the collegiate <laughs> level. Okay, Cliff got fired. 
Cliff never won a conference title, and, and that, that's why I was. But that's why I was. I, I thought about Cliff earlier. But and Greg Ciano won at Rutgers. That's, yeah, he did. That qualifies he did. you. you know? Now Pete Carroll is an example the other way around. Even though he struggled with the Patriots, then of course has, had unparalleled success at USC. Then. Then turned around and has done a heck of a job and won a Super Bowl and been to a couple of Super Bowls as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, so this he, is, uh, he's definitely he's definitely an outlier out of that example. For this sure. is right around the time I think right around the time Matt Rule got fired last year. Uh huh. Um, this is from the Sporting News. They combined this the top the five winningest coaches who were college head coaches. Prior, yep. the, they were college head coaches and then they got NFL jobs. Yeah. Uh, Tom Coughlin. Was at Boston College, yep. Pete Carroll, Jimmy Johnson, John Robinson, Craig from your Rams, mm-hmm. and then Bobby Ross, who we forget, was a college coach. Yeah, won a national title at Georgia Tech. That's exactly right. Now John Robinson had some success with the Rams. They uh, were mm-hmm. were uh, were a playoff seventy five wins, yeah. uh, four four playoff wins. And we know what Jimmy Johnson did, obviously. Yes, we do. Yeah, says the long suffering Cowboy fan. For the fan who just. Text in Matt Rule. You might have missed it right at the start. We were we're using all of this as an example, talking about Matt Rule because he spoke at coaching school yesterday, uh, and and had the success with Baylor and then struggled with the Panthers. So Matt Rule was who we were talking about when we started bringing up those other examples. And I forget Dennis Green's one that goes the other way. It was at Stanford yeah. and then had some really good success with the Vikings. Yeah, but somebody said Steve Spurrier, and that's a good example. Because Spurrier had had all the success, national championship at Florida. There's, there's a couple others you forget about. Yeah. Uh, Rod Babers, former head coach in Detroit, Steve Mariucci. But Steve, Steve Mariucci's college, I don't think he, he didn't have sustained college success. He had like one good year at Cal, and then but he he was more of like an NFL guy that went to college for a brief time and then jumped back into the NFL. So yeah. I don't know if you can really count Mariucci. You can definitely count Butch Davis, though. Yep, yep, yeah, Butch Davis, absolutely. Uh, you can. <laughs> you mean he had unparalleled purchases at USC? <laughs> I see where you're going with Dennis that. Erickson. It's another one, national championship coach of Miami with two national titles. Yeah, he did. Didn't have a rich Rich Brooks. I forgot. I forgot he coached for your Rams. Yeah, those were some dark, dark days. Mike Riley, not a yeah, not a memorable tenure with the Chargers. No, no, that didn't. That didn't work. Dick McPherson's another one. Syracuse wow. to the Patriots. I forgot all about Dick McPherson uh, uh, doing that. You know, um, I was watching the Angels-Yankees game last night, and I saw Shohei Otani with the bat flip, and the, they crushed the, the the ball and knocked it out. And they, they had a shot. I was watching the Angels telecast of this. During the game, in that inning, uh, when Shohei hit the home run, among the the fans who were very excited, well, first of all, I showed Gwen Stefani in a sweep. The game, the game was in L.A. or New yes, York? in Anaheim. Uh huh. Uh huh. Please, first Dodger fans, the Angels don't play in Los Angeles. They're in it's Orange the LA, County. It's the L.A. metro area. They're in Orange freaking County. Okay, they're not in Los Angeles. So, my any, apologies. Yeah. Okay. So any they this, get, this coming from somebody who gets aggravated when. People say, welcome to Dallas during a Cowboys game. I'm like, they're in freaking Arlington. Yeah, see, there you go. So there my apologies. Go. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they, uh, they, they had these shots. First of all, Gwen Stefani uh, in an Angels jersey. She grew up in Anaheim. 
So she was she uh, she was I think she was born in Fullerton. That's Orange County, and the, they grew up uh, in Anaheim. I think I believe it's the, the the CD jacket, the album cover for No Doubt's first album. I think there's on the background there's a sign that says "Welcome to Orange County." Okay, well, that, I have to yeah. look that up. Yeah, and so. she's a huge Angels fan, and she had her kid with her, and they they were all going crazy in the suite. And she had I think a FaceTime up. If you look closely on that replay, I think it's Blake Shelton on on the FaceTime. He wasn't there. But I think he's on. I think she had Facetimed him or whatever to say, "Hey, we're at the game," and boom, and Shohei hits the home run. So uh, there was that. But the other thing I was going to tell you is the other crowd shot they showed during that inning was seated in the stands. I think on the first base side, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, and none other than his offensive coordinator. You remember that guy, don't you? The uh, former Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Kellen Moore? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kellen Sorry, Moore. I was wrong about the uh, Tragic Kingdom album cover. I could have uh, sworn there was an she Orange County on sign on there, but no. It's Gwen Stefani eating an orange. Okay. All right. Orange well, that's the hand. Orange County thing, I guess. I, yeah, maybe I that's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah. But um, so Brandon Staley uh, uh, was, was and Kellen Moore, uh, but they, were, they weren't sitting, as the Canadians would say, side by each. They weren't like side by side. They were like, I think I think Kellen was down one row mm-hmm. over a couple of seats or something like that. But they were both at the game last night. Brennan Daly, he's he's a I don't want to say a safe bet, but if you're if you're wanting to get in on some FIPO lines for first NFL head coach fired, <laughs> not a bad choice. Cam, you're shaking your head. Yes, I'm not wrong about that, am I? He blew a 27 point lead in the playoffs last year. Like Brandon, St- Brandon Staley coaches real football, like me when I'm playing Madden. Mm. Like yeah, fourth and 24, go for it. What the hell? Well, let's try. Let's try for this nonsensical touchdown. Oh, it's a turnover. Oh, you know, if it works, Joey McGuire, then then you're lauded for it. You know, there's a, look. There's a difference. There's a difference between in a fine line between being aggressive and being reckless. And Brandon Staley, to quote uh, the late Charlie Murphy, he is a habitual line stepper yeah. going over that line. Okay, uh, I, I heard Aaron mention this the other day last year, and I know you always have access to all these numbers as well, and you pull these up. That last year, Joey McGuire went for it on fourth down fifty-two times. And was successful, like thirty something, sixty three percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of like what was that? Uh, Sex Panther, sixty percent of the time it works, <laughs> works all the time. It works all the time. That, the, the cologne. Uh, so yeah, Howard Schnellenberger, Miami Hurricanes, Washington the late, the late great Howard yeah. Schnellenberger went five five and one at OU. The last time the Texas Longhorns were in a tie football game, nineteen ninety five. Anybody written anybody written a book on Howard Schnellenberger's one year at OU? No. Gotta be some scribe north of the Red River. He's the first person I ever heard use the term Sooner Nation. Yeah. Nineteen Sooner Nation or, That was his deal. Yeah. Um and they went five five and one. And Texas had a 21 nothing lead early second quarter. Bucky can tell you all about it. <laughs> Ended up a 24-24 tie. Well, if, you look at a, if you look at a game between two head coaches that their fan bases, by the end of their tenures, were not very fond of them, a Howard Schnellenberger-John Makovic matchup is up there. Mm-hmm. And, and in hindsight, a Tom Herman-Lincoln-Riley matchup is probably up there as well. Yeah, Lincoln-Riley for completely different reasons. Yeah, for completely different reasons. 
Man, they hate that guy. <laughs> I think you're right. I think there's more vitriol from Sooner fans for Lincoln Riley. Believe it or not, don't drive off the road if you're driving and listening to us. I think there's more vitriol for Sooner fans for Lincoln Riley than there is for Longhorn fans from Tom for Tom Herman. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Because at least Texas fans still refer to Tom Herman by his actual name. OU fans will not refer to Lincoln. Some will not refer to Lincoln Riley by his name. Yeah, they've just taken to calling him TBOW. I don't. I don't hate Tom Herman. Oklahoma fans hate, hate Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. Yeah. Like I don't think Lincoln Riley. I would not advise him to set foot in the state of Oklahoma for a long time. A long time. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd probably take you up on that. Yeah. Former mule shoe mule. What will happen first? Jimmy Johnson inducted to the Cowboys Ring of Honor or Ooh. Lincoln Riley inducted into the Oklahoma Ooh. Hall of Fame? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy yeah, Johnson. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because I think. Because Jerry has actually said that Jimmy will go into. He'll go in when I'm ready for him to go in. That, that was a quote from him. He said he'll go in, but he'll go in when I'm ready for him to go in. And that was Jerry being Jerry. Yeah. I... Well, it is. And. Uh... You know, so I think like Joe Castiglione and all all the administration at OU will probably have to be dead and gone for Lincoln Riley to to get any kind of recognition at OU. Maybe, or at least not on the scene anymore. But then again, I mean, he won conference championships, but it's not like he's in that elite group with Bud Wilkinson and didn't win a playoff Barry Switzer game and, and Bob Stoops yeah. didn't win a national championship. Yeah, and OU is one of those programs where that is the standard. That's how great yeah. coaches are measured. Speaking yeah. of recognition, watching the quarterback series, Jeff was reminded that Pat Mahomes made the Texas Tech Ring of Honor Hall of Fame before Graham Harrell or Michael Crabtree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> just just get him in there. Yeah. Uh, our specs text line is open at three three seven three seven seven six. Well, didn't didn't uh, didn't te- in, in Texas Tech's defense, Red Raider fans, mark the tape. I'm going to defend you here. Okay. Didn't Texas change the the number retirement rules so they could retire Vy's number? Because it used to be you had to be like a Heisman winner to get your number retired. No, no, in no, 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 no. That's not correct. Okay. The actual wording, and I asked about this. The actual wording is you have to win a National Player of the Year award. Is that how it's always been? Uh, or was that changed like around 2007 when VY had his number retired? No, no, I think it was I, – I, I think it had to – I think it was before that, actually. Okay. You did not have to win. And then, then somebody said, well, what about Bobby Lane? His number – that predated when they set the policy in place, when, when they set that up there. So – uh, and and uh, by the way, uh, I think what Pro Football Hall of Fame balloting is going out to those who have votes here pretty soon. It'll probably be announced uh, the the next class or whatever pretty soon. And once more, Tommy Novus is on the veterans ballot. I hope he gets in. He should. Yeah, I think I'll look this up during the break. I think he's the only member of the 1960s All Decade team who's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I need to make that happen. It's not his fault. He played for a garbage team. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody says they didn't retire Mahomes' number. Well, they put it – God, y'all want to get technical? They they recognized him at the stadium. His, they, they, hung the, they, they hung the number up. They, they, they posted, posted his number and his years at Tech in their ring of see, honor. See, Red Raider fans, it's not that I dislike all of you. I dislike the 1% that can't even take the little bit of credit I'm trying to give you. <laughs> so – Anyway, 
I'm uh, giving you a compliment. Just shut up and take it. <laughs> all right, all right. You're erasing. You're all. You're you're undoing all your good. Work, well, all your good deed. Well, I did. <laughs> well, you well you did, and uh, so let's go to the let's go to the break before yeah, yeah. I aggravate anybody else or anybody else aggravates me. Okay, hey, uh, you do have a long notebook coming up. Yeah, we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, actually, I thought this was going to be a rant against the SEC, but Is it's it? really no. Actually, upon further review, it's really. Longhorn Nova is going to be more about my disappointment in my industry, and I'll explain it on the other side. Oh, good. I'll look look forward to that. Um, so it, it, somebody said, Ring of Honor inductee and Texas Tech Hall of Fame. <laughs> so that is the actual the, – okay. that is the actual – His name is on the stadium now, is it not? Yeah. Okay. That's, but but the person was sending a story said they didn't re- actually retire his number. They put it in a Ring of Honor as the inductee in Texas Tech Hall of Fame. Here's the question. Have they, re- have they actually – retired any number i don't know the answer to this so maybe the texter can let me know did they retire donnie anderson's number did they retire ej Hollum's number that that, uh that's the question i'm asking to cam's point to cameron's point they recognized patrick mahomes before they recognized freaking graham harrell or michael crabtree yeah there's three Texas Tech Raiders who have numbers retired. Donnie Anderson, E.J. Holub, and Dave Parks. Okay, yeah. that's I mentioned E.J. Holub and and, uh, and Donnie Anderson and Dave Parks. Okay, so those numbers are retired and can never be worn again. Patrick Mahomes' number has not been retired, but he is in their ring of honor. It's kind of like you know, North Carolina with basketball, and you know this, Cam. If you walk into the Dean Dome, if if you, you know what I've got pictures on my phone from my trip to the Smith Center yeah, last you went in there. I know exactly what you're talking about. That if you look, there are more jerseys or number hanging up in there than if you walked into a dry cleaners and looked at their daily load. It's just, but there's a clear and distinct delineation between what's called honored numbers. Mm-hmm. He uses air quotes around it. Honored numbers and retired yeah, look, numbers. Cam, I don't know if you can see. I'll text this to you during the break, but there's three rows of jerseys that are honored numbers. The difference is there are like Tyler Hansborough, Antoine Jameson, Michael Jordan, James Worthy. Let me see if I can see it this far. I'm sure George Phil Clement. Ford. Yep. Uh, uh, Billy Cunningham? No. Charlie Scott? No. You've got Cobb? Yep. Car, uh, yep. And I can't tell the other one. Cartwright, Carmichael. Rosenbluth. Lenny Rosenbluth, 1957 National Championship. Yeah, that's it. All okay. the way to Tyler Hansborough. So those, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You got eight. Those numbers are retired. Retired. And then all the rest are the honored numbers, the James Worthies. And, and, no, Worthies' uh, numbers retired. Oh, you did say Worthy? Okay. Sam Perkins is among the, like, your honored numbers. It's, gosh, this is so blurry. Um, let's see if I can. Tyler Zeller, Harrison yep. Barnes. Yep. Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Rashad McCants. So I mean, is that Those like are if, ones from the from the uh, national championships from like 05 and 09, yeah. other than Hansborough, who, of course, was a consensus national player of the year. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So, okay. So there you go. Uh, Psycho T. Psycho T. And his T. I heard the comment uh, when he was getting drafted that Tyler Hansborough had T-Rex arms. Yeah. So now anytime I look at a clip of Tyler Hansborough, and even when I watched his brief NBA career, I just envision Tyler Hansborough with these, these tiny arms just struggling, <laughs> struggling to go get a rebound. Uh, uh, Chad and Zay were talking about it. Zay had that list of most hated college basketball players. Hansborough, I think, was in the top five. I can see that. Christian Lake was was not number one. That was the big upset. Who was number one? It was Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. I guess you have to trip some people to do that. It doesn't that. count. I know that's what they were saying, you know. 
it was Grayson Allen was number one because he would reach out and you know, stick his foot out and trip people. <laughs> you you, uh, you covered a game against Texas of the guy that would be number one on my list. Well, he was in it. J.J. Reddick yeah. was on that list. He was on that list. Hansbrough. You know who was on that list? A.J. Abrams. What did A.J. Makes, ever do to anybody? no sense at all. He's like number nine. I could think. I could think of a lot of Longhorns who might be hated before I get to AJ Abrams. Yeah, and, and that's what they were saying. Yeah, I credit would think James to, Thomas before AJ Abrams. Yeah, there James you go. Thomas, Damian James yeah. would be on there. Yeah, you get all credit to Jason to, Klotz for different reasons. Yeah. Brian Boddicker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all credit to uh, to uh, Chad and Zay. They had that list last week. It was hilarious listening to them talk about that. The the uh, top ten hated college basketball players of all time. Well, I'm not sure A.J. Amers makes it in the top ten of hated Texas players. I know. I, 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 you know? It was weird, but anyway. You know, so. random, I, I, don't, I don't care if we got to get the break or not. We'll get everything in eventually. Um, I was talking to some, uh I want to say it was... Bob Ballou, who Bob is a friend of the station, mm-hmm. Bob's, a, Bob's a Missouri guy. I want to say he was talking to Arthur Johnson about, hey, who's the... Now the athletic director at Temple. No, this is a former Texas basketball player, or former Missouri basketball player, Arthur Johnson. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he was, he was talking to him about, he said, hey, who was... I want to say it was Arthur Johnson. He said, hey, who's the, you know, the most intimidating guy, whatever, feared guy you played against? And before Bob can answer the question, the answer was Gabe Manecki. Yeah. Gabe Manecki, no question. Like, he was the guy, he's the don't F with him guy. Yeah. Gabe Manecki was during his day. Punched Leif LaFrance LaFrance in the (laughs) stomach in a big Monday game at Allen Fieldhouse one night. All right. Uh, We'll uh, we'll get to our longer notebook coming up when we continue. Light the Tower. Uh, Yes, by the way, we will give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine on the program today. They sent out a release yesterday saying, uh, I guess they got a lot of, Queries from people. A lot of times say, hey, where can I find your magazine? Because some have struggled to find it in some places. But I did see it on the shelves. I went in uh, a Barnes & Noble yesterday to pick up my copy of Phil Steele's college football magazine. Look at J- Jalen Ford making the cover. How He's on that? it. He's on it there. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, how about Chandler Morris on the cover, though? <laughs> I got to put a TCU guy on there yeah. somewhere. Chandler Morris is... On the cover there of Phil Steele's magazine, Anaya Smith from Texas A&M, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Who, by the way, we'll talk about that in okay. the next segment, too. And, and Cooper Beebe of Kansas State. That, that little faux pas. Okay. So, uh, anyway, they're all they're on the cover. So, I went in I went into Barnes & Noble uh, up in Round Rock, and I did see Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine in the Barnes & Noble. So, they're in, they're in that as well. But they were, they were listing all the places. But you know one place where you can get one is a copy... Right here. We've been doing it now for a month, and we'll continue to give away copies of the magazine while we have them. So we'll give away a copy before we're done today, and uh, we'll give you the number to the call at that point. We'll continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com. It's just one of those If there's a bigger Limp Biscuit fan on this planet than Dusty Mangum, (laughs) it's Jeff Howe. 
Dusty Mangum. I'm not ashamed. That Dusty Mangum, the hero of the Rose Bowl win over Michigan, listed in the media guide, favorite band or artist, was uh, Limp Bizkit. By the way, speaking of uh, favorite band or artist, Friday, Cam Parker does the music survey on Friday. Every generation, every era has a certain genre of music that you're responsible for that is objectively bad. Craig, y'all did the disco thing, and I'm still not sure about all of that. I was just a teenager then. It wow, yeah, okay, I don't, don't claim. Well, then you've got, you, you're responsible for probably, I don't know, hair metal. There's something There's something unsavory. That in happened there. Yeah. Um, you know, then, you know, hey, look. When I was in my twenties, I mean, like I said, the 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 unmentionable air supply, and and then uh, and then there's you know, uh, was Spandau was, was, Spandau Ballet. Was ABBA you know? you're doing, or was that a little before? That you? was teenager. Okay. Time. Uh, my 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 era, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. N- new metal happened under us, and we have to wear that. We have to wear that like a scarlet letter. You and Chad Hastings. I wear it proudly. <laughs> Okay. Little, Link, little Lincoln Park, some head PE. So, hey, somebody on, the, somebody on the Specs text line says, nice return cut, see? By the way, that's what my phone wakes me up to every morning. Well, I can see you doing I'm that. So yeah. Uh, Nothing like Fred Durst screaming at you in the morning to get you, get you started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, someone said, I would think current player Brock Cunningham would be ranked yeah, ahead of A.J. Abrams. A.J., if you're listening, that's not our list. That was, was Chad and Zay reading that yeah, list? Yeah, it, okay. it was some strange deal. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have to ask Zay about that since Chad's on vacation this week. Uh, yeah, we'd have to have to do that. Hey, speaking, hey, speaking of Texas basketball players, we, uh, we ran into Harrison Smith. We were having a conversation yep. in the hallway had a good at coaching chat school. Him. Came by, said yeah. hi. Yeah, sure did. Um, I've got a Harrison Smith story that I can't I can't, can't share, share on the publicly. Air, but, okay, yeah. okay. Remind me during the break. Remind okay. Um, uh, at dinner, it was a week ago tonight. No, I guess Wednesday night. Whatever. At dinner with the Big Twelve play by play guys. Oh yeah, the Secret Society. That's the one. Uh, yeah, the Secret Society. Did you guys go play. into your. Secret meeting after that? We did not wear any weird masks or do any vote to off somebody. No, we didn't. We didn't do any of that. Where was uh, where was Toby Rowland? He he never makes that. He 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 never makes that. And Dave Hunziker rarely makes it because the the for whatever reason the uh, they. Well, I mean, they're work-related reasons. Neither one are able to make Big 12 Media Days pretty much annually. I, 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 I can't remember ever seeing Toby, the voice of the Sooners, at a Big 12 Media Day. I've seen Dave Hunziker once or twice. I don't think I've ever seen Toby at one. He's busy. He's got stuff going on or and or vacation, and, and figure, he just doesn't make it. You figure any chance anybody had to get out of the state of Oklahoma, even for a day or two, mm-hmm. they would just jump at it. Well, he... Uh, he uh, I don't think I've ever seen him at one. Like I said, I've seen Dave a time or two. Uh, Robert Allen was there, their sideline reporter. He yep. was there, but he wasn't with us. Uh, but, uh, although we had sideline reporters at, at the dinner, uh, you know, it was just Big Twelve broadcasters. It wasn't just the Secret Society of the play-by-play guys. We had <laughs> we had analysts there uh, as well, and um, I think John Walters, Iowa State's play-by-play guy, came in the next day okay. with Iowa State when they flew in. I think he flew. everybody else was there, but when they were there, <laughs> we got to talking about basketball players. And somebody said, "Oh, there's somebody coming back for his." Gosh, it's a fifth season. I said, "Hey, fellas, got Brock Cunningham." They're like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, 
That guy. Brock will be back one more year as he works on his master's program in advertising. Yeah, you know. One more year for Brock. If you're talking about hated Texas basketball players, (coughs) Brock might actually be number one on a lot of lists. He's up there. I love Brock, but. And he he embraces the hate. He gets it. Yeah, he gets it. He understands. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, one more year, Brock. Look forward to that. One more year. Hey, I mean, you asked a guy like Tyrese Hunter that played against Brock in the Big 12 that transferred in, and Timmy Allen said it too. When when they got here, initially they hated Brock. And Timmy, like, made no bones about it. He's like, I hated Brock, and Brock hated me. But then they became really good friends after a while. (laughs) Cooter on the Specs text line said, after hearing Limp Biscuit, I had to check to make sure my radio was tuned to the right station. (laughs) So, uh, And then somebody else said, uh, Brock Cunningham, trash. He is not trash. He's a hard-nosed player. He's a college graduate. He's working on a master's program. Uh, and he's a good dude. He's not trash. Uh, and I will be the first to defend him. He loves he loves his jorts. We won't hold that against him. Yeah, As a right. matter of fact, that might be a, a notch in the, the good column for Brock. Cam, you know Cam, do you own a pair of jorts? I do. Do you really? Yeah. Like, are they... It's like if you're mowing the grass or something, you wear the jorts, or are they like nice jorts? Usually when I attend the, the Coke 600 up at Charlotte Motor Speedway, I'll break them out. Of course, a NASCAR event. Um, the, the jorts are nasty. Is that required dress, by the way, when you go to a NASCAR yeah, race? jorts and uh, you know, a cutoff T-shirt. And know. a trucker hat that says, I farted on it or something? All right. Yeah. Not, not the farted part. <laughs> uh, I was going to show you a picture, but you can't tell it in there. I, I kid NASCAR fans. I just. Somebody else who I can tell you is uh, where's George is my older brother, my oldest brother. But you can't see him in there. Uh, we're at dinner. There's a picture. There, and, he, and there were nice George. There were nice George <laughs> when we were at dinner. So if such a thing can exist, and that it was. Uh, let's get to our Longhorn Notebook for this Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. I got one more cut from Sark, his press conference at coaching school on Kelvin Banks. I was just thinking, you know, we're getting ready for college football awards. Awards season, Craig. Uh, preseason watch yep. lists are about to come out. I got a feeling Kelvin Banks will be on a few of them. Uh, and really, he was... You, you realize Sark got through his whole press conference at coaching school with, without anybody asking about quarterbacks? That was... That's amazing. Blown away. I'm, I'm looking around like, no, none of you ask about quarterback. Don't waste a question. We got like 15 minutes with Sark. You can ask him something else. Don't, Don't ask him. Ask him. Well, when Just we had him on, uh, you know, when we had him on last week, we didn't ask him about it. Mm-hmm. The only reference made was at the end of the interview. And I said, we're going to let you go. I know people are pulling on you. And I said, we got your quarterback coming up. And he said, he's way more interesting than I am. So the only player Sark was asked about was Kelvin Banks. And uh, just some numbers I've gone over on this show and that I've written about at Horns 24-7. Sark runs those down right here talking about Kelvin Banks. Well, I think Kelvin had a great freshman year. You know, he went against, uh, I got to get this right, four first-round draft pick defensive ends. And I'm going to be remiss if I leave somebody out, but I'm going I'm I'm to take a run at it, and then somebody help me along the way, okay? So he went against Will Anderson. He went against Tyree Wilson. He went against Felix the Cat from from Kansas State. He went against Will McDonald from Iowa State. Zero sacks. So I think the guy's got a elite talent and ability, uh, but B the 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 maturity that it takes. You know, I mean it's it's unique because everybody talks about you have to graduate early and coming out of high school and get there early. He didn't. He came in the summer. 
And when he arrived in the summer, he continued to work and do what he needed to do, and ultimately he became a starter. Uh, so I do think the sky's the limit. Uh, he's cut from the right cloth, man, and uh, we're, we're fortunate to have him. When you talk about the offensive line, you know, Craig, we've, we've, we thought Connor Williams was going to be this guy, and Connor had an All-American sophomore year. It was hurt his junior year. We really didn't get to see the full go of it. Sam Cosby was going to have one of those years. And Sam had a good year, but it was the COVID year, and everything was just out of whack that year. This is this is the latest of a guy that you really feel like, okay, he's got a chance to be a, a cornerstone of this offensive line, the kind of guy you can build everything around. But it feels different with Kelvin Banks because, again, you know, Sam, Sam Cosby redshirted and then started at right tackle, then moved over to left. You know, Connor Williams did start his the first game of his freshman season at left tackle, but I think we can all agree the offensive line situation was much different sure. in 2015 than it was in 2022. And for Kelvin Banks to do what he did, he's got he's one of those guys that if, if everything keeps going on the current trajectory, he's not going to be here four years. He's going to be here three, and then he's going to go be a top ten pick of the draft. That's just the way those things go. Uh been a while since Texas has had one of those guys. It feels real like, yeah, he really – I know there was some talk about that with Connor Williams and Cosby, but it feels real when you talk about with Kelvin Banks, that, that high, high NFL upside that he's got. Here's what I want to know about Kelvin Banks, since you mentioned Sam Cosby. Can he catch a pass? That I don't know. <laughs> I bet he's athletic enough he could. Probably. Wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Wouldn't doubt it. Um I still see Cosme rumbling into the end zone against West Virginia. <laughs> but when we talk about the offensive line and how much better can this group get, you know, Kelvin Banks' ceiling is high, and you've got guys on that offensive line that, you know, they all return all five starters. But other than really Jake Majors, you forget how young that group was mm-hmm. last year. Hayden Connor hadn't started a game, Cole Hudson hadn't started a game yet. Uh, Christian Jones was coming off a year where he was, quite frankly, wasn't that good in, in 2021. Now you get Christian Jones back after a solid year. You know what Banks has. And between Majors, Connor, Hudson, and DJ Campbell, of those four, you're going to end up with three really good starters on the interior offensive line. I'm, so. glad, you, I'm glad you brought up Christian Jones because I, I, I'm sure you remember this. I remember this as well. Going in at right where we are right now in July, or mm-hmm. even into August, going into the practice. And folks were talking about the offensive line, and they said Christian Jones. And the the universal reaction was, oh, he's back. He's back for one more year. Uh, okay. Well, he was – everybody assumed he was going to be the odd man out. Yeah, yeah, because he's not and – then, and then he winds up, as you said, a very solid year for yeah. him. That's, that's, that's all you can – you know, you can – Ideally, you'd want, and you think of great college tackles, right? Like you'd want Orlando Pace or Jonathan Ogden, you know, Justin Blaylock. Like sure. you'd want one of those guys. But the the best thing you can say about an offensive tackle is if you don't think about them throughout the course of a game. Like, oh yeah, he, he handled his business. I don't even remember seeing him out there. And and the most the most audible thing you hear about him is Banks as a freshman when, it, when he was getting after the Oklahoma players and was having none of it I mean, that, on some of the talk. That helped the... set the tone for 49 yeah. nothing. Yeah. It was him. That's, that's what that game is about. Guys, that uh, the, the quicker you understand that game is played to the echo of the whistle, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be at the end of the day. Yeah. He certainly did that last um, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention, too, like I said, I thought I was going to get in here and rant and rave, but 
You usually do. Well, I, t- I tend to sometimes. Uh, but you already I'm, did to the tech <laughs> fan who was just trying to make sure you were correct in your in in your categorization of 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 Patrick Mahomes saying his number wasn't retired. It was honored. He's in the Texas Tech Ring Ring of Honor and Hall of Fame, and his number up on the wall. But I, you know, Josh Williams, the LSU running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some things attributed to him yesterday, mm-hmm. and. Basically, like, oh, they're in for a root. Texas and Oklahoma are in for a rude awakening when they get to the league. And then this is what, you know, the, all this was attributed to Josh Williams. They don't know what they're getting into, is the quote. And, and I saw this in some headlines. But, you know, he did say, I don't think they know what they're getting into. The SEC is a beast. But what if you just look at the headline and just looked at that quote, you'd miss this part of what Josh Williams said. I love the fact that the SEC is expanding more to Texas. I feel like a lot of kids from Texas leave Texas because they want to play in the SEC, but now they're bringing it more to Texas. I think it's a great thing for football. That's a pretty freaking big part of that statement. And I just, like, look, I understand in my industry, I understand we have article quotas we got to meet, there are numbers you got to meet, benchmarks and page views and sessions and all kinds of stuff. And I understand the catchy headlines probably can get more people to click on it. I, I, I'd like to think there's a balance between doing that and, and being responsible. Like, yeah. I'm, so I'm just asking folks in my industry, just, just try to be a little more responsible with what you're doing. Do, do I screw up headlines from time to time? Yeah, I can mess it up. And I've, I've been guilty of it. But let's just let's – just, because this is the type of stuff – that for those of us that are on a beat, mm-hmm. it makes players less likely to want to open up. Yeah. Because now they think, okay, I said this. Now every time I say something remotely interesting, it's going to get twisted on me, and it's going to make it look like I said something that I really didn't mean. Yeah. So just especially the, the folks that have to aggregate stuff, just be a little more responsible. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Just kind of because I was like, oh, man, I was, ready, I was coming in here ready to defend Texas and Oklahoma. And be like, look, I get the SEC. It's it's a line of scrimmage league. It's the toughest league in the country. But that's not. No, let's not act like everybody's Georgia. Let's not like act like everybody in that league is Alabama. Like you've got some teams at Texas and OU can go in there and beat. I think Mac Engel, the former Star Telegram, wrote a deal about that. He's always kind of looking down his nose at at, at Texas and Texas A and M anyway, and yeah. he's always pumping up TCU and all that. But he made a valid point where he said they're not all Georgia and Alabama and maybe LSU. Yeah. He said, "There's Vanderbilt in there, and there's you know, and, and there's Kentucky there's, sorry, Kentucky, solid, yeah. Mississippi State, solid. South Carolina's on the rise. Yeah, I would say, Ole Miss. Hey, you know, we're seeing what Kiffin is doing doing there. Mississippi By the way, Shane, State, we'll Shane Beamer held court at coaching school. Did he really? How about the South Carolina opens the season with North Carolina, and both head coaches Charlotte, were yeah. there to address the THSCA this weekend. It's yeah. really random to think about. Yeah." Um, but, yeah, I was in here. I was going to get here. Man, everybody in the SEC is getting all pumped up thinking, you know, A&M went in there their first year and competed. Granted, they had a generational talent at quarterback, but they went in there and competed. That yep. team wasn't all Johnny Manziel. They had some pros on that team. So Texas and Oklahoma, they're going to be fine. You're going to realize that both of them have, have the talent to compete week in and week out in that league. Now, can they go win championships in that league? That's another discussion. Yep. And I think from that standpoint, Texas knows what they're getting into. I go back to this, Craig. The Arkansas game, Sark's first year, the guys that are still on that roster, that was the that was the F around and find out game. Yeah. Because Sark even said it going in, like, look, if you don't come prepared, 
His exact quote was, you're going to get your ass knocked off. Yep. And those of us that were in Fayetteville, those of us that watched Saw it, it, it's exactly what happened. And I yep. think I think this team understands, those guys that are left, understands what you're getting into going into that league. All right, coming up next, Inconceivable. When we continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Okay, uh, here's an example of uh, Inconceivable from the Specs text line. Longhorn Bear, one of our regular contributors, says, I am in capital letters. So ready for football to start. ESPN Top 10 on Sunday had a pickleball play as number four. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, sports programming at this time of year, if it's not baseball or football previews, you pretty much got a bit the, of MLS. The, it's but the, equiv- it's the equivalent of the Ocho. It's like the yeah, Ocho. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Um, raise your hand if you're in this room on the other side of the glass, including Kim, if you bought a lottery ticket to the Powerball. Negative Ghost Rider. I'm the only one who did. I did. Uh, nobody won. The uh, jackpot is going to $1 billion <laughs> for the third time in the game's history. No ticket matched all six numbers in Monday night's drawing. Uh, it ranks right now as the seventh largest U.S. lottery jackpot, the third largest Powerball jackpot pot behind the world record 2.04 billion dollar powerball jackpot one last year in california and the 1,586,000 no the 1 billion 586 million dollar powerball jackpot one in 2016 according to the lottery so next drawing tomorrow night so just letting you know what'd you guys do if, what's the first thing y'all would do if you won the lottery let me rephrase it. Make sure it's deposited clearly. No, 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 no. We could talk about investing <laughs> and all that stuff. What is the first frivolous purchase you mentioned? Just just wages. You've got dispensable income. I just want to, I'm just going to go crazy. I just want to buy something extravagant that I know is going to immediately depreciate in value. What's just that one wheels off purchase you, you'd make if you won the lottery? Uh, maybe if I could Buy the degree for my youngest son as he. No, 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 no. He's got. You gonna go like Billy Madison? Yeah, dad? right. No, no. He's 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 earning it on his own. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I guess it depends on the size a lot. If it was two billion, yeah. Um, I might go up on one of those uh, one of those space deals. Oh yeah, I might go, do that. Go to space. Might do that. But you still call you still call Longhorn games though, right, Craig? Oh yeah, yeah. See, I don't think I'd stop working. No, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, because then you're going to burn through it. Yeah. 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 Bizarro Dale Dudley, that's, I mean, that's a, Hookers and Coke is always a, a responsible, <laughs> responsible answer for this question. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. At least, at, just, at least you're honest. You know? Exactly. Man, two chicks at the same time. All right. That's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff. Those are the kinds of answers I'm looking for. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, uh, I've got a, um, Sports, uh, inconceivable. Yes. Texter, even though my name is not spelled with a G, I would. See, even though you're not G E O F F, I would buy a Burger King just to bring back. I would franchise a Burger King, and my Burger King is going to sell chicken whoppers. Yeah. Okay. We're going to run the world. 
being the only Burger King in America that sells chicken whoppers. Somebody said, didn't the Titanic sub teach you anything? Yes. Don't go under yeah. sea. Go up in space. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't go under. Don't you, don't take a questionable sub to the depths of the ocean. You know what? Scientists will tell you that there is. we know far less about what's down there than we do about what's out there in space. There's far still, less. There's a lot of stuff going on out there that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, so, uh, Major. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll stop this in a minute, but new right. pants to replace the one I just crapped. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, so, baseball tonight. Uh, the Reds had this great first half of the season, and they've kind of, you know, stumbled a bit uh, after the All Star game. Ellie De La Cruz. He's having a great year, and his good friend is going to make. His major league debut tonight. His good friend is Christian Encarnacion Strand. He's the number five prospect in the National Central Organization. Is making his debut in the game. He has already set a major league record. Is this the former Oklahoma State Cowboy? Uh, Encarnacion Strand, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. He is, has... The longest name in Major League history. See this uh, jersey? It starts wow. from way down on the left and goes way down. Now, that was in spring training. The Reds have come back and said all that's going to be on the back of his uniform is Encarnacion. No, come on. Yep, yep. Cam, yep. did you see that thing? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that thing. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna Man. Be the, it's... Uh, so it's the longest name. It's like those NBA jerseys, you know, from like the 60s, 70s. Remember the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that went yeah, all the way yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Past it's like back. that kind of deal. Uh, but, yes, it's uh, Mark Sheldon, who covers the team, said, for those wondering, Encarnacion Strand will wear number 33, and by his request, only Encarnacion will be on his jersey and not the full last name. That was the case at spring training also. But he posed with that. Come on. Uh, yeah. Uh, he passes. Jared Salta Lamakia. Uh, he's number. He's tied for third. Damn. Simeon Woods Richardson for the Twins last year was second. Then there was a tie for third. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, by the way, uh, one time Texas Longhorn signing. Yep. Yep. Um, tied for third were Luis Alexander Basabi, Christian Betancourt, uh, Faltino de los Santos, Jared Salta Lamakia. Uh, Valerio De Los Santos, William Van Landingham, the Giants, and uh, Theodore Breitenstein from the 1891 St. Louis Browns. So, Christian Encarnacion Strand, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy. That last guy sounds like a stuffy Englishman. Yeah, yeah, it does uh, a bit. So, anyway. Um, Drinking Earl Grey in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, we have a... Uh, uh, an airline story for you, because I know you're always intrigued by the airlines. I am. Uh, so we do have that. Um, yesterday we gave you the story about a kid barred from American Airlines for three years for trying to skip lag <laughs> yeah. a ticket, that kind of thing. So I would only offer this up to you. If you are getting ready to fly on any major commercial airline and you get a phone call and or a text that tells you that your flight's been canceled or something like that, make sure when you call back the number, you're actually calling the airline. 
A traveler's Delta flight was canceled, so we called the airline number listed. It led to a scammer. Uh, Shamuli Avers called a number listed on Google, but it turned out he wasn't talking to Delta. After the call, he said he found at least six other airlines with wrong numbers listed on Google. He said, quote, my Delta flight got canceled from JFK. The customer service line was huge, so I Googled a Delta JFK phone number, and he got an 888 number. Thinking I reached Delta, I started telling them about getting me on a new flight. The phone call led him to a scam, and after more digging, he said he discovered at least six other airlines with what he suspected were scam numbers. So in other words, you call them and you say, hey, I need, I need to get on another flight. Okay, blah, 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 blah. We need your credit card number. Ooh. That's the deal. That's, that's, uh, that's a tough one. That's the scam there. Uh, so be careful on it. Okay. Uh, one other thing. We do have a fast food uh, nugget. Um, and it might involve nuggets, actually. Do you know the history of the Happy Meal? I do not. Um all right, the Happy Meal actually, take a guess at what year the Happy Meal actually was recognized and called the Happy Meal when it started. Not as late as I'm going to think. I'm, I'm going to go 19, let's go 82. Not that far off, Cam. Hmm. 89. 77 okay. Okay. is when it started. 77. And there's this big dispute over who actually started it. Uh, the the one who said she invented it was Yolanda Fernandez de Kofin who said she started it back in 1974. She called it Ronald's Menu and then got a Ronald's Award at the convention. But then McDonald's said no. They got it from, actually, the burger company Burger Chef, which is no longer in... in burger Chef. We had a Burger Chef in Greensboro. It was That was the company they used in Mad Men for one of their big ad accounts, mm-hmm. by the way, Burger Chef. They had a meal called the Fun Meal, small hamburger, fries, drink, dessert, and a toy delivered to kids in a colorful box. But Dick Brams, an ad executive, said he noticed his kid eating cereal and reading the back of the box of the cereal. So he wanted a, a very colorful box that mm. had, like, Hamburglar and Ronald McDonald on there. And then another guy, Bob Bernstein, says, yeah, it was my agency that did that, and he's the one who named it the Happy Meal. What, y'all, what did y'all name the kids' meal at Wiener King? I think it was just called a kid's meal <laughs> Okay, when they had that. Yeah, in Wiener King. It was. I did. I forgot to tell you, when I went through Greensboro, I did see the sign of the old Wiener King. Did you? Yeah. That, Bring the back some memories? It. it did, but it's an Asian When you were the, place the king now. of wieners? I was, an, I was an employee that worked there for all of a month. Okay. Well, you were employee of the month. No, I wasn't either. <laughs> we have hour number two coming up here. Light the tower on the horn.